You're listening to WRUULP Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with global soul. Coming up next, Art on the Air, with your hosts, Rob Hessler and Gretchen Hilmers. Welcome to Art on the Air, with your hosts, Rob Hessler and Gretchen Hilmers. This is an hour-long interview program dedicated to the visual arts. Each week we feature guests in conversation about their theory, practice, and current projects, as well as the state of the visual arts in our community. We also play musical selections relating to our guests and engage in additional conversation about the topics presented in our interviews. So let's get started with another episode of Art on the Air. Here are your hosts, Rob Hessler and Gretchen Hilmers. And this is Rob Hessler, Art on the Air. No Gretchen Hilmers this week, but we have a really jam-packed full episode. Not going to spend a lot of time chit-chatting here. First and foremost, we're going to start with our interview with John Field talking about The Desiring Machine, his current project as part of his on-view residency over at Sulphur Studios. And speaking of Sulphur Studios, after that, we're going to play an interview I did with Emily Earle, who is not only a longtime Sulphur Studios fixture, but she is the executive director of their new nonprofit, Art Southeast. And so I talked to her about how they recently added an apartment to the residency, which can attract more distant artists. John is from England, so that's sort of already taking advantage of that extra additional feature that the residency has. And then lastly, I spoke with Jim Bailey, a woodworker, and he's got an excellent exhibition over at Sentient Bean right now that is really fascinating. I think you're going to really enjoy hearing from him all about that as well. So we're going to start here first and foremost. Again, this is John Field talking about the desiring machine from the residency space over at Sulphur Studios. Enjoy. Rob Hessler here with Art on the Air Field Notes, and I am speaking with John Field, and we are going to be talking about the Desiring Machine here at at Sulphur Studios Hello. in the Onview Residence. Hello, Rob. Welcome. So, I want to ask you just like, what it, what is the project? Tell us what the project's all about. Oh, right. The project is called the Desiring Machine. Um, it's an odd name. Uh, it's taken uh, from art history. It was a project done by a German artist called Kurt Schwitters and he was a Dada artist and that means he was opposed to reason and sense and things um, being rational. So he began this project with very little idea what it might look like. He got hold of a building, he began adding elements and painting bits of the room and soaring through joists. Not that I have any ideas of soaring through joists at Sulphur. They'll be glad to hear. Um, 
but the it was a very organic project and the idea was that creativity is not something that can be constrained or um, as we are taught in school graded uh, and given some kind of merit um, so taking that as a model what I'm doing here in Sulphur is um, in, uh, encouraging members of the community around me um, and that means not only the Sulphur artists that I've been meeting who are all lovely people um, but also shopkeepers um, schools um, I'll come to that perhaps in a moment but there are 80 school children coming through this space next week and the idea is that everyone's presented with a question everyone that gets involved with this and the listeners out there would be great if you want to get in touch and be involved and I began thinking that the pandemic has prompted many of us myself included to think what am I doing with my life <laughs> uh, <laughs> my wife often looks at me with this look that, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but I think many of us with two years, I, I've been living in England for the last two years and running a, a studio that was locked down effectively. So many of us are thinking, what next? So I've asked people to think, what do they see their future holding? Um, what do they think that they might want to be when they grow up? Now, that's a very loaded question. We are taught um, that we, we you know we've grown up by the time we're 23. We're adult, right? We can we can vote and we can go in the wormhole next door and buy a PBR and that we're fully emerged as adults. That's in my experience. I'm heading for 60. Not true. Um, I feel almost as though I'm a 12-year-old, to be honest, most of the time. Um, I've given up any notion of control and understanding in my life. Um, so people are presented with this question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, I then invite them to think about this, find an image, uh, an object, they can make it. It might be something found, it might be something that they've adapted or changed. I'm really not bothered by what the form that object takes that object or image will then be brought to Sulphur Studios and added through the next four weeks to a, an organically growing Kirchfitters inspired Mertzbau, a desiring machine so altogether what my idea is that rather than me being an artist doing a residency making my work um, and then rep and, you know, showing it to the public, that the, that the public are actually going to be the creatives. My role here is not to actually really build or construct or create the work, but to act as a go-between, between school children, um, members of the local community, the artists here, um, and that as a consequence of the project, people get to meet other people that they maybe have not uh, had the opportunity to meet before, um, that they begin, I would like to think, to understand uh, art not as the province of an elite or a special class of person who is gifted and creates in a genius model. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, apart from myself, of course. Yeah, you know, other I've than always, you. I've always, not not I've, you yeah, or I, but yeah, other people. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you read my bio, the first word there is genius. Um, <laughs> But, you know, art for me is something that, I, you know, I, I have a son who is currently 13, but I watch him making, especially when he's younger, and there's none of that um, inhibition that right, we develop right, as right, we right. grow. And 
Uh, I'd like to think that this project allows people to approach art as a, a healthy um, form of engaging with themselves, with each other, with the community, and so on. You know, it's really interesting because, you know, the roots of this are in Dada, but it's such a, that's such an important and really deep question. And if you start thinking about the question of like, what do we want to be when we grow up? And I do think you're right. I think, and I've spoken to tons of artists, but just lots of people too, over the past two years, it's like, there was really a reevaluation of like, what's important to us? What, what is life really meant to be for us? Because I think you're right. Like we get to that adulthood and you kind of just get bogged down with all of just getting through a day that yes. you kind of forget like, well, what's really important to me? And mm -hmm. I, so I do think it's kind of interesting using a form in data to talk about something that's really deeply meaningful. Mm -hmm. And and very contemporary. I mean, I think there was a quote from, uh, oh, I forget now, a writer, but at the beginning of the pandemic, and she argued, I forget who this was now, um, that we now have an enormous opportunity to kind of reevaluate what we do in the world and, of course, with climate change and all kinds of other mm -hmm. problems. It may be <laughs> it may be time for a reevaluation of what we do. Um, without wishing to diss social media too much, and at my age I can drift very easily into being a grumpy old man muttering Let's about grumpy, young people. Okay. <laughs> um, but there's... Uh, there's a writer called Byung-Chul Han I like very much. He's a Korean and he says that we live in a world now designed to operate uh, so that we operate in it, that we never stop, we never think, we never get distracted. We are constantly moving, constantly moving forward. And for me, I think art and maybe even this project is an opportunity for us to stop, to have a little break mm. and think, hang on a minute, what actually is important? And... Personally, for me, um, creativity is one of the key elements of being human and the idea that art is something done by artists, not someone who is a barista or maybe a six-year-old in a classroom, seems to be missing out on a huge and wonderful opportunity in life. You know, so, um, I think that's such a part of the zeitgeist right now, to be honest with you, is that you know your project, which you're putting together here, your idea... Right when you were talking about it, it made me think of another project that was done here at Sulphur mm -hmm. by Antonia B. Larkin. And her project was all about the notion of rest. Yeah. And different than what you're doing, but it was like another one of those things mm -hmm. like, let's take a, a breath. Let's stop for a yeah. second and yes. reevaluate. Yeah. I think there's many, many artists and writers internationally, of course, now, looking at the same kind of questions and problems. I've been in England for two years. Um, we have our own problems in England. There's mm -hmm. Brexit and all sorts of other things going on. A, a buffoon in charge of the government at this minute. We don't know anything about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the French call our current leader Donald Trump's younger brother. And so if you think of like a rather... <laughs> an impoverished version of Donald Trump. You're in the right area. Donald Trump oil paint, Boris Johnson acrylic. He's a slightly less vicious. Anyway, um, so anyhow, uh, uh -huh. I don't think uh, that the situation over in Europe right now is that different, to be honest, in the States uh, in terms of reevaluating what actually we're doing. And climate change, of course, is one yeah, of the big of um, issues. And I know many artists working along those kind of ecological lines. But for me and my own 
this project, it's really to do with community, and that's what I love about sulfur. Oh yeah, is that it's sure. it's grounded within um, the street it's on, the people that come through. I've only been here for two or three days at this point, but I've met eight. 800 times more interesting people than I have in two years <laughs> in England. And I, that sounds appalling, but it does seem to be a hub for a range of different types of people, not sure. just one type of person who makes one type of art. And we all live in a little bubble where we all congratulate one another on how, you know, we're, we're doing the right kind of art and them over there are doing it wrong. There does seem to be a very inclusive, um, sure. democratic, generous spirit at work here. Um, that is open to all kinds of different forms of artistic practice and again involving people from outside of this very closed art world you know I taught at SCAD for 20 years and my job now is not to just to talk trash you know to talk smack about SCAD but its mission as a college is to prepare young people for the workforce, to prepare people to um, fit in to a neoliberal capitalist system. And the red, the red mist is descending at this point as an old lefty, right? Um, <laughs> but creativity there was driven by matrices and, and uh, you know, you must come up with a finished product and it must serve certain demands that the market asked for. And, the project I'm currently involved with is kind of opposed to that right, yeah. in terms of it not being about product, it's not about consumerism, it's not about the market, it's not about fashion, um, it's more about trying to connect people together who may otherwise not meet each other. I have to admit I've stolen this idea not just from Schwitters and, and the art history interest, but about five or six years ago, I was teaching at SCAD in Art History, and we had Alfredo Jar come through town. Okay. I'm not sure, Rob, if you met no, Alfredo I, no, Jar no, or did any, no. any work with him. But some of my students were working with him, and as a socially engaged artist, he had the students go into schools, um, community centres, old people's homes, um, chat with people, get to know them, and find out what actually is going on in Savannah and make work that is site-specific. Right. Uh -huh. um, and so I learned, I've always been an enormous admirer of Jar's work, and um, the idea of actually going into Savannah and finding uh, people who are not connected to the art school, who are perhaps not part of that milieu, um, it seemed fantastic. It seemed like a really generous spirit of thing. So I'm just basically piggybacking on the back of a, a, an intern, of a great artist, Alfredo Jar, and kind of pinching one of his ideas. But it does seem like a, a nice way of bringing people, you know, outside of the art world into it that would otherwise not. You're listening to Art on the Air here on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. I am your host, Rob Hessler. Let's get back to our interview with John Field talking about the desiring machine, his on-view residency over at Sulphur Studios. I'm glad that you brought up, you know, having been at SCAD for a long time and then also being away from Savannah a little bit mm. and then kind of coming back to Savannah yeah. and coming back not as a professor, yeah. but coming back as 
an artist doing an art project yes. within the art community. And I differentiate between SCAD and the art community because SCAD is such an insulated environment yeah. that is really specific to its students. And the art community is really not connected to SCAD yeah. in almost any way. That's Certainly there are former shame. SCAD students yes. who are involved. Lots of people, several of them here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you yeah. know, you... And you mentioned Emily Earl was one of your students way back when. and One of my wife's students. One of your wife's students. One of your wife's yeah. students. And so there, certainly the SCAD students are involved, but there isn't that connection no. between them. So I'm kind of curious, being in this environment as opposed to being yes. in the academic environment, you're looking at it from two different, really two very different places. Yeah. How has that been for you? I mean, just coming back. I mean, you've only been here for a couple of days. I've only arrived yeah. just a day or two back. <laughs> I... <laughs> Oh, um, but I mean, how do you view it though? Because I mean, it's like yeah. you're—it's like you're outside of the the ivory I'm, I'm tower. Actually, yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're... yeah. No, I'm back where I belong, which is the gutter. You're talking about point. PBR and, and yeah. wormhole, and yeah. you're not. No, talking that's my about... natural environment. That's my natural environment. To be honest, I I always felt I had that. You know, I had imposter syndrome when I was being a professor. You know, that actually they'd catch me out one day and drag me back into the the gutter, the gutter where I belong. Um, it's curious because. I'm, I lived for 20 years in Savannah as part of, quote-unquote, the establishment. Yeah. I had a proper job, and I had a mortgage, and all the rest of it. And the security that comes with it, but also I felt very constrained by that environment, and I was always made to feel very... Dis- I felt a lot of discomfort about the lack of engagement between my student the student body and the local community. Yeah. Um, the town-gown distinction, you know, you've got the community of the, the institution, the university, and then the locals. Um, and missed opportunity, if you ask And it me, is a, but... an enormous missed opportunity because, I'm not just saying this because I'm in Savannah, but Savannah's an astonishing city. Um, I hadn't fully taken this on, I don't think, until I left. <laughs> and it's an old story, isn't it? I lived oh, yeah. here and, and it was... You know, I just took it all for granted that I lived in a beautiful town and that, you know, uh, everything was just... I mean, I had a lovely... I had a wonderful time in Savannah, but I have to admit I took it for granted and I only understood its charm after I'd left. Two years in England, I'm hungry for the kind of energy that I see here in Sulphur and in the art community in this city. I've lived through two years in lockdown in England, so mm-hmm. it's rather different than it would have been otherwise in terms of community. But the uh, the kind of entrepreneurship here and the can, you know, it's cliche, but the American can-do thing mm-hmm. um, is, re- is alive and kicking. You know, I love it here, that kind of enthusiasm, that energy that I've met through all the people around me here in Sulphur. And... <laughs> having spent two years in England I'm wondering whether or not to bring my family back to America with a son aged 13 because the opportunities here seem to be way larger Ooh. anyway I'm drifting it's into another area well, here but um, no that's a just I, I brought you there so by, by <laughs> contra I, I've opened up a studio in England I have four other artists working in the complex as well as myself and I'm trying to do exhibitions I've been trying to get various things up and running and met with an, a lot of grumbling and a lot of negativity and the again I'm repeating myself that's in opposition to the positivity and the can-do stuff I'm meeting with here I mean to be honest I don't think I would propose a project like I'm doing here in England because I doubt very much I'd be met with the same enthusiasm I have already here 
I've had two meetings as, as well as my one today with Rob so far in the couple of days. Um, Repurpose Savannah have donated a large amount of free materials um, to, to, you know, to, to build with in this, in this space. Um, I met with the, the uh, principal yesterday of Susie King Taylor Community School and they're bringing students in next week. So already, even after two days, the project is beginning to generate some kind yeah, of interest, yeah, some cool. steam. If anyone out there is listening and would like to to get involved, um, I don't know, Rob, what the best way of perhaps passing on yeah, my contact is. Yeah, I mean, is, you can but... always go to sulfurstudios.org. That's a way to connect. So that's yeah. really great. And are you on Instagram? I am on Instagram. Um, it's <laughs> I'm trying to remember the name of the, uh, where you have to go look at. I think well, it's the on view residency. residency. That's yeah, right. yeah, on no, view I, residency yeah. Instagram page, which a lot of our yes. listeners will already be following okay. and probably see some of that stuff. Let me ask you because this is really curious to me because you mentioned that you, you know, you maybe you wouldn't have done this in in England or whatever, but it made me think like, where did your interest in Dada come from? Like, where does that where does that where did that yeah. begin? How long have you got? Um, <laughs> the short version. Right, there's a couple of sort of, One is art history. I did, um, I, I've, I've made art all my life, and I did a doctorate in England where I studied a German painter called Gerhard Richter. Uh-huh. And his work is anti-ideology, and it's not exactly Dada, but it's interested in similar ideas. I'm also interested in Buddhism. I am not a Buddhist. I don't make any claim to be Buddhist. Um, but the idea that, ideologies uh, provide us an answer uh, hang on let's edit this bit out um, <laughs> how did I get to know interested Dada um, I think oh, sorry that's a really good question I love I'm though that you're struggling a little it. bit no, stumped no, by it that's good right yeah because it's always been there I think it's because um, for me creativity is an open ended activity and the minute that there's like a goal in mind or there's some kind of product or something um, it limits uh, what we're able to do as, as human beings and I mean Dada came up as at a particular historical moment it was a consequence of the First World War it was an, a generation of artists trying to make sense of a world that seemed to go have gone to hell right the First World War mechanized yeah, yeah. warfare we are now living 100 years later through another crisis, if not several crises. And Dada, to me, seems a way of saying, well, as humans, we don't actually know what we're doing. I mean, we are very puffed up human beings and we think that we control nature and that we can exploit it. But look at the climate change, blah, blah. So Dada seems to be a form of humility to me. A form of practice that isn't driven by power and I know what I'm doing and look at me I'm an artist it's a way more uh, humble form of practice in every way you know? so I love that you know it's funny I now I believe it was one of the Dadaists who said who came up with the term accidental art yeah yeah and so you know it's like it's it's yeah. funny because one thing I oh, I struggle with to this day and I think this is a, somewhat of you know, being an artist for a while now and doing numerous shows and stuff like that is like, I'll come up with the very beginnings of some piece or idea. Yeah. Yes. And my mind will already think, well, okay, I'll do X number of pieces and I'll think about this and like start yeah. think, imagining I'm going to do a show and there's like, and it's like, 
I haven't even started. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Not yeah. really. Yes. yes. You know what I mean? And I and already the project is completed yeah, it's in your already, mind. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I, sometimes the moment that very thought can take over the project and sure. become like really influence it. Whereas, I mean, I kind of feel like Dada is almost the exact opposite of that. It's like where you're, it, it fights that notion. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? It yes. really fights that notion. And I think that's healthy because it's exper it allows for experimentation. It allows for chance. It allows yeah. for, like you said, kind of to break free of this whole structure that is connected to making art do X number of pieces, have an art show, sell art, that, get yes. check in the mail. Yes. <laughs> you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like, and that all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get back to the project in general. Because one of the things I think is really cool about this, and you kind of talked about how connecting communities. There we go. Yes. And I want to get yeah. back to that yeah. particular point in okay. the top, in the story, in, in what we're talking about here. Because one of the things I think will be interesting is as the project goes along, random people who don't know each other yeah. are going to be physically, their objects, whatever they bring in, yeah. are going to be physically connected yes now they might not know each other's stories yep. but i do think that there's a really cool kind of metaphor there of like connecting the community literally like yes a physical, physically yeah uh, and also virtually there's going to be a physical component to the project involving members of the community bringing along objects and images which as i said will get added to the massive assemblage as it builds also, um, I would like there to be a social media component. So Instagram, we mentioned the, the address a moment ago, um, is a site where I'd like every individual involved to put up their, uh, their image or object that they've done and then connect with all the other people, I don't know how many yet will be involved, involved with the project so that it's, there's a diaspora, it kind of spreads out into the community in a way that I am in no way in control of. I, and I'd like to think that, you know, there might be a seven-year-old girl meets a 45-year-old woman and their works are very similar and they get to oh, meet nice. each other and talk to each other. Or a juxtaposition of two objects causes a little friction that they hadn't really thought about before. Um, I have a friend in England who I was speaking with a week ago and he said throughout lockdown he's been on his own working in his studio and got nowhere and realised at the end of this that most of his ideas came from conversation, came from collaboration, came from talking with other people, being challenged, a dialogue. And I think one problem with the pandemic period is that we've all been really isolated. For sure. um, and perhaps this, I don't have <laughs> any grand illusions about this project, but it might just allow a little bit of communication to occur that would otherwise not have, have happened. You know, so it's spreading out. Into well, it's the interesting. World. There's going to be a conversation happening between the objects. Even if yes. there's not a literally one person sitting in front of another, yeah. the objects are going to be having conversations with each other. Yes. And it's an unpredictable conversation. Absolutely. At this point, in, this is day two of the project. Uh -huh. By day 10, I have no idea what this room is going to look like. Um, and that will be the product of conversations between the different groups that I'm bringing in. So I'm handing over authority or power, really, to the members of the community that come and work through here. Um, so the way it develops is unpredictable. Um, another source for this um, actually is the Turner Prize. Have you come across the Turner Prize, Rob, in no, England? No. Um, the Tate Gallery in London is one of the 
the, yeah, the sure. flagship museums in, in the city. Um, and every year they host a competition. And we all have different ideas about art competitions. But four <laughs> artists are chosen. They do an exhibition and one is, is elected the best artist of the year. And they're given a, a special hat. Right? Um, last year, there was not a single individual artist in the Turner Prize. There were four collectives. Ooh, so, he, so the exhibition comprised very socially based work. There was a group working with uh, food science and the way in which most of the foods we eat now are overproduced, over, over you know, whatever, um, chemical. Um, others were working with people on the spectrum with regard to learning mm -hmm. uh, approaches and you know non trad learnings. So, recently in England, I anticipate it's probably the same here. There's been a move away from the idea of the artist as a genius sitting up in an ivory tower creating masterpieces, and rather the artist um, as someone who is engaged in relate building relationships and not things. And my students at, at SCAD often had a trouble understanding that, that there wasn't a, a tangible thing at the end of the creative process that could be then sold, right? And you can turn it back. Yeah, it's like, well, what thing, do you, you know? do with that? Like, yeah, if that's the answer. Yeah. I mean, that's really is a question. Like, well, what do you do with that? Yeah, thing? what's it for? What's its purpose? Um, one of the things I'm planning on showing the school children next week um, is a little video. It's only five minutes long, but it's called What is Art For? And it presents, and it's a, I won't go on about the details now, but it's suggesting that art has different jobs at different times and in different places and that we have to be flexible and fluid with regard to what we think art is and we've been taught in our western model that art is the manufacturing of things that then become marketable uh -huh. and there's many other traditions i mean native american traditions and so on which consider art having different roles for sure um and i think there is a with the covid period a, a bit of a a rethinking of what the job of art is you know it's not yes for sure we need to ornament our homes and 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 I buy photographs and paintings myself but at the same time there are other kinds of art out there um, gosh you know I want there's so much I want to follow up on but I do need to start rounding this off yeah, so sure I there's no you, and you, I can't really, go what I that's one of the things that there's a philosophical <laughs> thing here that is really compelling and I and I do want to delve into it but Let's let's finish this interview off, yeah. and I want to ask you, you know, if people are interested in being a part of this project, what is the best way for people to do that? They show up at Sulphur Studios and just bring you stuff? Um, no, I am uh, on Instagram. I am going to be posting probably today um, a call to action. On that, it explains a little historical background to the project that I've been rambling around for the last few minutes. Um, my email address and uh, the process you need to go through in order to become involved. Perfect. So my recommendation is if you're interested in what we've been talking about today, go to Sulphur Studios, have a look at the project, visit their Instagram page and you'll see the contact information there. And as I've been hopefully stressing, my idea is the more the merrier. If you have any doubts about joining in, put them in, the back, uh, put them in your back pocket, get in touch with me, I'd love to hear from you. Um, the more people I think involved with this project, the more successful it'll be. So come on in and meet me. Uh, I can't <laughs> wait to see how it all turns out. Thank you so much, John. I oh, really appreciate welcome. John I Field. Really appreciate and the project that. is The Desiring Machine. Yes. You're listening to Art on the Air with your hosts, Rob Hessler and Gretchen Hilmers. 
on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with Global Soul. This portion of WRUU's programming is brought to you by listeners and by Brighter Day Natural Foods. Brighter Day Natural Foods has been serving Savannah's healthy food and supplement needs since 1978. It is located at the corner of Bull Street and Park Avenue. They have online ordering and curbside delivery available. And now a walk-up window for smoothies, juices, and sandwiches from the deli. They are open from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sunday. More information can be found at BrighterDayFoods.com. Yes, it is almost that time again to support WRUU through your vote in the Connect Savannah Best of Savannah poll. Voting begins on February 28th and lasts only two weeks. Remember to vote for WRUU in the categories of Best Local Radio Station and Best Local Talk Radio. If you see a favorite WRUU morning program or WRUU radio host, please vote for them as well. Thank you for listening to and voting for WRUU in the Connect Savannah Best of Savannah poll. Are you hesitant about receiving the coronavirus vaccination? Contact your physician. It is estimated that 97% of all physicians have been vaccinated. What do they know that you don't know? Or talk to a friend or relative who has been vaccinated and find out why they have taken it. For more information, contact www.cdc.gov. Welcome back into the studio. Rob Hessler here, Art on the Air. Thanks for tuning in. The first half of this episode, we played our interview with John Field. If you happen to miss that, you can catch it in the station archives at WRUU.org. Just click on schedule, click on Wednesday, and scroll on down to Art on the Air, where you can find the previous 10 episodes. But we're not done with interviews this week. Our next interview is with Emily Earle, one of the founders of Sulphur Studios and also the executive director of their new nonprofit, Art Southeast, talking about the OnView residency, how it's evolved, and specifically their new apartment that they're now offering for the residency. So let's get right into it. Here's Emily Earle. Rob Hessler, Art on the Air, Field Notes. I'm with Emily Earle over at Sulphur Studios and we're just going to talk about the residency right now, the OnView residency, because you have an apartment. We have an apartment. Now. So tell us about tell us about the apartment. Tell us about kind of what you're up to with the residency at this point. Well, you know, we got this great space. It's about five blocks from um, the Sulphur Artist Residency Studio. You know, private gated entrance, private garden. Um, you know, it's great to. It's like a quick little walk between the two spaces um and we're going to be able to bring in artists from around the world and give them a free place to work and a free place to stay for a month or up to three months um and it's been a dream of ours for years to be able to not only give away free studio space but free living space too and now we're finally here that's so awesome you know it's funny because i was thinking about this because i knew i was going to be talking to you and i was thinking about i was like one of the first few residents in that Mm -hmm. in the residency Mm -hmm. and just how far it's really come Mm -hmm. since then now it's an enclosed room Mm -hmm. before it was kind of this like space that had a weird 
closing mechanism. Uh-huh. It worked really well, actually, yeah. but it was different. Adjacent to that enclosed space now, you have the whole Art Southeast storefront mm-hmm. area, mm-hmm. and it kind of leads into the gallery. And you've got a place for people to stay. It's just, it's really come from being a, well, we really want to have this opportunity for people to being like, I don't know if the exact words would be like, it feels more professional. I mean, that sounds really bad that I'm saying it like that, but it does definitely feels like more, I don't know, shinier or something. I don't know how to describe it, but it's really interesting how far it's come. Yeah, I think... um... You know, when we started everything, we didn't know know what the hell we were doing. Um, It definitely took us a couple years to kind of try different things out and um, learn how to take our ideas and then put them into action. I mean, that's a really difficult thing to learn how to do well. Um, So it definitely took us some time and screwing up and um, to figure out what works. and I just think we, we finally kind of, especially in the last couple of years, I mean, I think during the pandemic, you know, every, we had to minimize so many of our activities, like everyone, and um, it gave us time to really think about, okay, we've been talking about really making this residency into this amazing program for so long. Let's figure out how to make, take the next steps forward. Um, and then, you know, like everything else, we had a little bit of good luck and the timing was right for this apartment to be available and um we kind of just knew that we weren't going to get that opportunity again and so we pounced on it and well it's really fascinating to me because i mean none of you is working full time doing this this is your like side gig this is just like out of love so you really need to have something like the pandemic to happen or some sort of like opportunity to actually breathe Mm -hmm. to even fill in that space because i'm Mm -hmm. sure you know i i know you know i've seen you guys i know you guys pretty well and it's like just the basic operations of this place with all the studios and the constant rotations of shows and all of that stuff it like takes up a lot of time and energy so it's like oh on top of that let's renovate this studio space let's do all of this it's really hard to even find that time yeah (laughs) um yeah and i mean i would say like right now it's a it's certainly for for me and um john our exhibitions director like it's a full-time completely unpaid job (laughs) right now um but we are putting like every day of the week you know hours and hours every day into making this place what we kind of imagine it can be. It's interesting, and I hope people who haven't been to Sulphur in a while, maybe because of the pandemic, come back. I mean, it's such a stark difference to me. You know, yeah, it really has come a long way. It's been neat to see people walk in that haven't been here in a while, and they're like, whoa, you know, yeah. um, which is really nice. It, it's also crazy because, you know, there was there used to be a little wall up there, which was kind of like dividing the old residency space from kind of like this weird lobby thing that we had i'll miss those janky couches and stuff oh god i don't (laughs) (laughs) i don't i mean but you know it's weird how how big of a difference taking down a half wall can make in a space um so it's it seems we only did that last july 
Yeah. It wasn't that long ago that we did it. But, you know, we're we're constantly trying to, like, move the ball forward, coming up with new ideas, um, figuring out what the what our structure needs to be behind the scenes, how we're relaying information to each other, how we're thinking about who who do we need to work with that we haven't worked with yet or different ways of doing things so that so that we're just constantly improving and um, able to kind of think a little bigger. Yeah, well, I give you a lot of credit for continuing to push it forward when it is a circumstance like that where you're essentially working two full-time jobs, you know, and you're doing that kind of thing. Let me ask you, because I know, well, I'm sort of privileged you send me a bunch of the residents that are coming up this year, and mm -hmm. it's really exciting. But I also know that you're getting ready to put out another call. We just put it out. You just put out the new call. When's the deadline for that? April 15th is the deadline to apply for July through November of 2022. And as you said, it can be a longer project now, not just necessarily a month. One to three months. We would love someone to propose a really awesome project that's three months long. We haven't gotten a proposal like that yet in that first round. I would love to bring someone here for three months and have them do a really deep dive on their work and really get to know people in the community, really make some powerful connections. I think that would be awesome. I'm really hoping that we get something like that for the second round. Yeah, a month is really nice. And, you know, having spent a month in that space, it was really cool. But, I mean, I can just imagine, especially somebody, like right now, it's John Field, and he doesn't live here, and he's from England, but he's coming back and to re-engage in the community. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine if he had three months, or somebody like him had three totally. months. Somebody from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Maybe they would never leave, actually. We would yeah. just convince them to stay. <laughs> uh, well, Emily, I really appreciate you coming on and letting us know all the details about this. And sulfurstudios.org, anything else that people should check out if they're looking for more information about all this stuff? What's the OnView Residency, exact OnView Residency um, Instagram these it's days? It's just at OnView Residency. At OnView Residency. And so, so John Field and every artist resident, while they're here, takes does it like an Instagram takeover. So you can follow along with their work. Everyone's going to do a workshop or an artist talk during their stay. Um, and John actually is really integrating Instagram into his project. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's a great and it's a great follow. It's really fun, you know, to kind of mm -hmm. go on there and see what people are up to. And John posted like off the airplane photo. Right. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Emily. Appreciate Thank it. You. Rob Hessler, Art on the Air here on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. Thanks for tuning in. That was our interview with Emily Earl. Before that, we played an interview with John Field. And we're going to finish off the episode here with our interview with Jim Bailey talking about his exhibition over at the Sentient Bean Interpretive Woodworking. And Jim is a woodworker coming here recently from Baltimore. And his exhibition is really fascinating, really different. And I thought you might enjoy hearing it. So let's get into this interview. Next week on the show, going to be playing an interview with Tony Hazel. And I can't wait to share that one with you. But we will talk to you soon. Enjoy this interview with Jim Bailey. Take care, y'all. 
Rob Hessler here with Art on the Air Field Notes. I am at Sentient Bean with Jim Bailey, and we're gonna be talking about his show here. And Jim, one of the things that was just so fascinating to me about this is like, the show, the pieces are in frames, and it's an art show, but really it's about wood grain. Yeah. And to me, so I'm just gonna share a personal anecdote before we start talking about this, is that down in my playroom growing up, we had wood paneling. And I, as a kid, I would see yeah, images, shapes, go. things, right. all that kind of stuff in the wood paneling of my playroom as a child. And it always totally fascinated me. So when I saw that you were doing this show, I was like, literally this dude is doing a show that is my childhood, like my childhood imagination. So talk a bit about the show. Like, what do we got here? What are we looking at? It's sort of a retrospective in a way, because some of these are 20 years. Uh, Years old. This one I did in 2000, and so I started making them as doors for uh, cabinets. You know that I would make. Like I had made a, a medicine cabinet for my house, and I had a I had one of these, and it's uh, it's resawn, which is basically like a book match. It's like you know veneers you have, uh, and so if you look at these, it's like sort of the mirror image of each other, most of them. Yeah. But it, it, they vary because it's sliced through a thing of wood, so it gives it a little. Uh, and a lot of them sort of started looking like faces or various other things. And then I think someone I was working with was like, well, why don't you just, you know, you don't need to make a cabinet for all of them. So I just started making them just sort of for fun, you know. I it's mean, beautiful just wood. Of, it's know, just beautiful wood. Right. And a lot, of this is, a lot of this is pop. Some of these are popular, which is kind of a, you know, a, a wood that usually just gets painted, you know. But some everything can be beautiful if it's presented night you know presented correctly or whatever so it's just yeah I mean it was started with my own fascination my own love for like you say just looking at the different things that wood can do and then some of these the ones that are more just patterns are uh, this one I've had for like a bunch of I just framed it this past it's beautiful getting ready for this so we're looking at basically a checker box yeah. kind of pattern and it's but it's just they're, really beautiful. <laughs> I've made a little like a cube of that. And first I just made a, lo a log of that and then I didn't know what this, so that's, yeah, I've had that for a couple of years just in the back. You know, it's absurd. I, I, you look at it and you're like, holy. I was, I was really happy they put that in the, uh, in the, the circular. And so, I, cause yeah, you can look at that thing and it's really, and I even have it so you can, hold, you can hang it on the diagonal too, which changes. Oh yeah, <laughs> which for makes sure. it just as weird. But yeah, it's, for sure. So yeah, some of them and then some of the found object things, just sort of really just playing around and not taking it too seriously, you know. And like, just kind of things that you look at and they can remind you of something, you know. Some things that I don't even like. People are like, that's really cool. So. That's so crazy. Now this is you gonna know. sound like uh, this is this is like me being like a dork because I'm kind of a you know I like building <laughs> okay. stuff. I like working with wood, and I have to admit when I look at these pieces and I know that they've got like different varnishes and stuff on. I love the smell of wood and I love the smell of varnish and I kind of want to smell them. <laughs> I know that sounds totally weird, but I mean I'm sure you you know there's yeah, such know a hands-on right, right. kind of like oil painting or that, that kind of yeah, smell yeah, in a, yeah. you know studio or yeah. but also like the yeah. smell of cut wood and like yeah. that process is so important I think as a part of the crafting of these yeah. objects. Well, there's I mean I do I do enjoy wood and I see like a lot of these are. I tried to make the frame like part of it as well. Like that's mm -hmm. all one piece of wood that follows itself around, you know, for the frame for that. Oh, and nice. A lot that's these, a nice detail. And a lot of other ones, I try to make the frame part of it. It's nice seeing them up here because I really didn't, you know, 
they've been in portfolios and stuff. I have some up in my house, you know, but it's just great walking in and seeing them all. <laughs> so I think it's interesting because the title of the show is Interpretive Woodworking. Right. And like, I, you, I there's, there's just like, yeah. that can mean two different things or many different things, but it's like, you're putting your own interpretation into it when you lay down the piece and you right. put it up. And then, but then really, like you said, somebody else can make their own interpretation. Right, yeah. So I, I wanna, let's take a step back, because you mentioned you moved here from Baltimore. What kind of first got you into like woodworking? What did you get into? I went wood? to, well, I, I went to art school, Maryland Institute College mm -hmm. of Art in Baltimore. And uh, that's where I took up, a, I took a wood shop class and made a couple of pieces of furniture and stuff. And I just, that kind of did it, I, you know, I just really, liked working with wood and joinery and it's you know it, some of it is just you know just so beautiful you hardly have to do anything but you know so that really got me and then I'm a cat and then, so a couple of years after I don't know five or six or whatever after doing different jobs I got a job as a cabinet maker in a wood shop you know which so I had all the skills of you know how to use tools and everything and so I and I just was around wood a lot more so I was able to and it was a pretty informal shop it was you know just they made uh, we made some pieces for churches like you know oh, altars nice. and lecterns oh, yeah, yeah. And, and regular and houses That's we cool did a lot stuff. of doors yeah. and you know so it was some of it was really nice and so it also it was just very low key so I was able to just mess around after work you know sometimes and do that must you know, have been awesome having access you know. to a, a full like you don't have to right. have it at your house right you know? right because it's they're big i mean yeah i have very limited i mean i started to set up my garage but it's yeah i mean you need some serious big equipment to have right. a, even a even a moderate wood shop you know so it's i've really never i've always worked somewhere you know and tried to do things and some places are less conducive you know to let people do whatever they're gonna do so basically whenever I would come across something and a lot of it is uh, like unusable board ends you know because they got this big knot in them or they got all this wavy and you're trying to get just clear you know boring looking wood you know just for a, so nothing stands out in a run of you know so like but I find these things to be yeah fascinating. And then you cut them in half and it looks like <laughs> you know so it's like it's like a discovery you know I'm kind of curious, like, what is, so you've been, you know, showing, you've shown this work before, and, and you know, you went from Baltimore to here. First of all, let's pretend like nobody has seen this yet, nobody's responded to it yet. Prior to this, what was the response you were getting from this work? Because I think it's like, to me, I'm like, this dude is literally putting up panels of wood that he thinks are beautiful up on the wall. And like, to a certain extent, like you have to sell that, like to a certain, because people aren't necessarily seeing what you're seeing when you see a piece of wood on the ground. Right. You're like, oh my god, if I cut that in half, it's gonna be beautiful. <laughs> right. So, like, kind of, what was that initial experience like of getting this work out there, like, as and p having people think of it as art and not just, well, here's a cabinet face hanging on the wall. Right. Um, well, Baltimore is pretty uh, progressive as far as that. You know, I mean, it's people don't expect too much and I think I've I've really gotten nothing but uh, you know pleasant surprise or you know whatever because something you know some things some people just don't get it and they're not going to whatever you know but uh, but for you know I guess like like-minded people some people will see it and just you know gravitate towards it and not have to ask well why is it you know what is he doing with this you know it's just a a beautiful thing you know and wood I think does that too it kind of oh, makes yeah. you know it has a calming effect and 
Yeah, it's not like I have a thesis or anything, you know, it's just sort of, um, I enjoy making, you know, beautiful, you know, I enjoy making beautiful work that people may or may not appreciate, you know, <laughs> and uh, you, you just never know, you know, so you know, it's, it's really... Funny. It's interesting because, well, before I ask this, you've come to Savannah now, what has the response been here? Like, how have, has it been different, similar? What's, what have people been responding to this work so far? This is the first... Uh, it's been very positive. I mean, because the one, <laughs> the first, it's been over a couple of months, and like the first time I, you know, showed it to anyone, they were like, "Oh, this is good," and then it got, you know, it got up like that. Because I just met met AJ on like a Friday or Thursday or something, and then like Sunday, he's like, "Yeah, we could," and that was like the week before Christmas, and he's like, "Yeah, but can you do it for the 15th? You know, have about 14, 16 pieces." And I was just like, <laughs> I like gathered all my stuff, and I'm like, you know, so some were, you know, I've been in storage for years, and just sort of, you know, I moved them all, you know, many times, and uh, so I just sanded a lot of things, got everything back up to sort of, you know, showing exhibition quality. You know, exhibition quality. You know that's interesting. So I see tons. I get all kinds of press releases, as you can imagine, and like. This was one of those ones that I think, I, you know, I saw it and I was like, I want to, I want to talk to this guy. Nice. This is like really cool. And I wonder because, you know, you mentioned Baltimore. It's like Baltimore as an art place, it's very varied. I mean, you can find all kinds of different stuff. Oh, yeah. Savannah is still. I mean, I think Savannah has some people taking some chances, but there is a certain level of. It's, it's conservative in some yeah. ways in terms of the art goes. And mm -hmm. so I think if people are, you know, the people that are responding positively are probably, and people like AJ, who is, right. you know, he's such a great dude. And oh, yeah. he just, the, the whole Silver Studios crew, they're just right, all about yeah. like taking chances and stuff like that. But like, I think it is kind of like, wow, what is this different and weird thing that people right. aren't accustomed to? Right. But it's not just weird, it's actually is really beautiful. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting, I think. Um, maybe right place, Good. right time, in a kind of certain extent. That's great. I mean, yeah, I, I really, like I say, it, you know, uh, the, the response has been nothing but positive. So it's really, I mean, it's encouraging, you know. Uh, That's awesome. You know, let me, um, I was going to ask you, what brought you to Savannah? What's that? Oh, what brought um, you to Savannah? Well, uh, it was a woman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my girlfriend and I, we've been together for a long time, and uh, but we were kind of on and off, and... Uh, she just decided she was gonna, she was like, I'm sick of Baltimore. I want to move somewhere warm. It's going to be near a beach. And it was either going to be Florida, South Carolina, Georgia, you know, really no, almost like throw a dart. And then she just picked Savannah and she came down and some, with a friend of hers and looked around and found this one house. And uh, then I came down July 4th and visited and we hung out a little bit. And then she was like, you know, why don't you think about moving down? And I was, just living, and I have older kids. My daughter, my oldest is 30. Well, she'll actually be 30 this year. And so they're, my youngest two twins, they're graduating from college this year. So I'm not, you know, I don't really have anything. There's nothing holding you back, yeah. I had a, I mean, I had a decent job, cabinet job, which was, you know, at a good place and, you know, a lot of benefits and what have you. But really, you know, it wasn't, it was nothing really holding me, you know. And I was just like, wow the worst that can happen, you know, it's like, I won't like it, I'll move back, <laughs> Baltimore's still going to be there, <laughs> you know, so I mean, so my kids are up there, and you know, and you know, some friends and stuff, so it's definitely still miss it, you know, but uh, I haven't, uh, 
I haven't back up yet. We're gonna go up in April, I think. You're waiting for the winter to be uh, You know, it's yeah, um, really. <laughs> it's funny. You're here in a really interesting time because the art community, it was rocking until before COVID hit, and you could right. feel the the sort of energy. And I was a little concerned as somebody who's an artist, but also as somebody who's an art advocate here, like, oh, are we gonna lose a lot? But actually, we're coming out of COVID, and and Savannah is showing some real life um, right. in terms of moving from this very good art town to being known as an art town and there's a difference right. between those two things you know so I'll, I'll be curious to see because you're kind of coming in right at this moment and I'll huh. be interested to, to see how you experience that as somebody who who is just coming in and right. you know obviously you've been embraced like right away it's, stick I mean, with the sulfur people yeah. let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> I know right <laughs> because I was walking around and it's like yeah I, I know what you mean like, like uh, we went to a one uh I think it might have been in this park. They had, or a park around here. They had a, an art where people brought their own things, and you know, and it was like in a, it was in a park. And it was an art sale, and uh, a neighbor of ours um, that does actually, she had a show here. Deborah, God, I can't remember her last name. Deborah Sharon Miller, maybe. I think so. Deborah, yeah. Deborah Sharon. Miller. She has, yeah. um, she does like, like collage, city construction. Yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Deborah. Yeah, She's our sure. neighbor. Yeah. So was this part of the um, slam Two event? Two months ago, I think. Yeah, yeah I think slam. it was so a slam. Local right. Artists market. Right, right. So they had some things, and you, know, you got kind of got an idea of like you know a lot of there's some kind of beachy stuff and some kind of you know it's like so. It's, there was That's a, an eclectic there was, show. There was some sure. pretty yeah. There was one woman that had these really big like horse drawings and paintings. You know, and they were pretty cool. You know, but she wanted like hundreds of dollars for these. You know, and, like, <laughs> and then other people were selling stuff for like. Well, yeah, for but uh, I know. <laughs> but I mean, at a show, you know, at a show where people are walking by, it's almost like a fair. I mean, you sort of gotta, you know. Yeah, no, right, right. Yeah, good one. You got me there. Right. I don't know what they're thinking. No, but I mean, if, you know, but no, you don't expect to go to a park and spend six hundred dollars on a painting. For sure. For you know. Sure, and, so I, also, yeah, pricing. I didn't. I didn't really know where to go. You know. I mean, uh, it'll be interesting. I, I'm, I'm curious to see how how people respond to this because I think it is really interesting. I think it's really good work, but I also think it's not what people are used to, and, I, and that's right. one of the things I love about it. I mean, I think us art people, we always want to see different, something different, oh, but yeah. necessarily those people who are buying it. Are, are a little bit harder to convince. So uh, I'm, I'm right. really, I'm interested to see how Me too. I haven't, I have no, I mean, I guess if something sells, they put it online or something. I don't know. I haven't even, I haven't checked. I don't even, you Yeah, know, it'll I be just, online for, for a while at their, on their site, I'm sure. Um, but anyway, look, I want to round this interview off. But let me ask you, if people are interested in learning more about you and your work, how can they find you? Website, uh, Instagram, any of that kind of stuff? Um, I don't have a website, but I'm definitely going to put, uh, you know, like I said, I have an email, I mean, but that's about, uh, yeah, and I have, I think I have that up on my email. Um, I think you can find, uh, what does that say? James F. Bailey 64 at gmail.com. <laughs> now, this is as old school as it, well, well I, mean, I guess not as old school as it get. You can give me a mailing address. But. <laughs> 64 the year I was born. But I would be, so, yeah. I'd be curious, I mean, I, you know, and I mean, you might investigate this, but I think this stuff would be really interesting to see online, see how people responded to it, because I think it is, like, beautiful in a way that you don't see a lot digitally. You know, you right. don't see it in the digital format a lot. You know, it'd be interesting to see how people respond to it when they're kind of asked to stop and look at something that 
a beautiful thing that comes from something that's around us all the time that we're not necessarily paying attention right. to. So I'd be kind of curious. Well, Jim, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Thanks for being on our new <laughs> My pleasure. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. Listen every Wednesday for our live show, broadcasting from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on 107.5 FM, Savannah Soundings, and worldwide at WRUU.org. And you can catch past episodes on the WRUU station archives on our website, as well as on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. We'll talk to you next week, where we'll have another batch of art on the air.